ओम शांति ओम शांति थैंक यू सिस्टर जयंती फॉर कमिंग ऑन विमेनिस्तान टॉक शो इट इज माई कंप्लीट प्रिविलेज टू हैव यू ऑल द वे फ्रॉम यूके Brahma Kumari is very close to my heart as you know I had visited 2 years back with the uh, Baroness Sandeep Verma from England so for That's all right yes yes so for all my viewers who would like to know about uh, Brahma Kumari I would like to first give the intro of Sister Jayanti a short intro although she doesn't need any introduction Sister Jayanti is your is the European director of Brahma Kumari which is an international NGO and is a spiritual leader and teacher she has championed the cooperative role of spiritual organizations in creating a just and peaceful world and has brought spiritual principles to the discussion tables of politicians economists business leaders scientists and nearly every stakeholder of our times as the director of brahma kumaris for europe and the middle east and a spiritual leader and a teacher for 50 years sister jayanti has dedicated her life to self transformation and service to humanity brahma kumari as everyone knows is an international non governmental organization an ngo of the united nations accredited with the general consultative status with an economic and social council and sister jayanti has been the organization's representative to the un in geneva since 1982 she has championed the cooperative role of spiritual organizations in creating a just and peaceful world she has brought spiritual principles to the discussion tables of politicians economists business leaders scientists and nearly every stakeholder of our times sister jayanti sees the erosion of spiritual values as the underlying cause of the crisis that the world is facing today welcome aboard thank you so much i feel completely blessed thank you so much sister jayanti so uh, sister jayanti please share your views on to uh, how brahma kumari brings about raj yoga as a medium for for attaining peace and calmness um thank you for the very warm welcome and yes raj yoga is the practice of meditation in which one goes into the innermost being of the self and connects with the one above with the creator the divine and as such then we are able to draw from the divine whatever it is we need for our lives here and now at this moment for example i might be needing peace or sometimes i might be needing power within myself spiritual power so whatever it is i need by that connection i'm able to draw that within myself and that equips me to be able to deal with life in all its manifold differences that come my way and so life is very very uncertain and unstable at the moment and so especially in these times it's so very important to be able to just have that independence in which i'm not relying on any external support but when i go within i know that wherever i am whatever else might be happening but i can have that personal connection with the divine and prepare myself to be able to deal with whatever it is that life is bringing in front of me and so i think that this connection which we call yoga union um is actually what helps each and every one of us wonderful 
So how do you develop the connection? Um, just as with anything, first you need a certain amount of information, then you need to be able to practice it. And as a result of that, then you're able to have an experience. So three steps. I need the information of who the inner being is to know myself as that eternal being of light, not this physical form. Yes, this is my chariot, but I, the driver of this vehicle, am that being of light within. And secondly, I need to know that the being who is up above the creator is also that being of light without any physical or even angelic form, just a form of light. And in that awareness of who I am, connecting with the divine, I'm able to make that connection that's then able to draw whatever it is I need within myself. It's like putting in the plug into the supply of electricity from the powerhouse. And so coming inside, connecting with that being, the source of love and light, and I'm connecting with the powerhouse and I'm able to draw that within. And all this happens just in silence. Don't need to chant anything, don't need to say anything. Just turn my attention inwards and feel who I am, that light that's distinct and different to my physical form. So uh, currently, uh, as the pandemic is on and people are struggling with relationships, with work issues, personal relationships, uh, what would you advise them? And first question would be as to why, according to the universe or the nature or via divine has, have we got into this kind of a situation? Is it hamara khud ka karma? Hamari khud ki karmo ke wajay se hua ye? Is there another plan? Where are we heading? Why is this happening every hundred years? Um, yes, you're right that there was a pandemic about a hundred years ago. And we know the history of that. Uh, and at this particular time, I think that what's happened is that um, human beings have been encroaching into the habitats of the wildlife animals. And so the more we take up their space, yes. the more intermingling there is of humans and animals. And of course, animals carry all sorts of viruses and our close proximity to them or even our violence against them in which we want to eat them, then both of these factors have come together to bring the animal viruses to take the jump to humans. And of course, with humans, the population is huge now. And secondly, there's constant movement of international travel. So something starts in one city in China, but very quickly we find people coming to Europe, um, coming back after their Christmas holidays to Italy and Italy became the first hotspot. And of course, once the borders are no longer there in Europe, of course we knew it was going to spread all over the rest of Europe and even the UK. So the first instances in England, UK, came from people traveling back from the continent. So these are the basic reality of what's going on in life today. So I don't think that 
it's someone up there who's pushing buttons and saying, I want to punish human beings now. I think more, it's been our lack of attention and awareness on what it is we are doing. And as a result of that, we are seeing nature coming in in a very reactionary way. You know, we took away the trees and as a result, we now see floods in so many places. We didn't realize at that time that the trees were actually binding the soil and holding the soil together. We cut the trees for our own pleasure and our own interests, financial interests very often. Then at that the moment- The manufacturing of so many industries. Exactly, exactly. So it was uh, rupees and pounds and dollars that were more important than the lungs of the earth. So the trees were the lungs, we didn't realize that, but also we didn't realize that soil erosion would happen that would then lead further to floods and of course many, many deaths as a result of that. So human beings haven't been far-sighted enough. What we've done is for immediate gain and that too for financial gain very often. And as a result of that, we've upset the balance in nature. And so this is now the result that we are seeing today. So that's one side of it and the whole story. And then the other side, um, when we see all these things happening during the pandemic in which there's a lot of loneliness for some people, and yet for other people, they would say, well, I didn't have time with my family for a very long time. And now I'm being given the opportunity to get to know my kids. My kids grew up from age five to age 12 and I didn't even realize it. And so can I have a, a chat with them today? Can I have a conversation with them to be able to understand what's going on for them in their world, inside and their world outside? I never had time before, so let me do that now or even between husband and wife, um, each one busy, busy, busy with their own schedules. And now you're in one place. You can't go out in the evenings. You can't even go to the office very often. And so now we have time to get to know each other and to create that bond, which is a natural bond, but we'd forgotten about it. And so we put the task first and forgot about relationships. And so today the story is reminding us that tasks can be completed at any time, but if relationships are damaged, it takes a huge amount of time and effort to repair them, and maybe they'll never be repaired. But even more important than relationships with others, there's one other relationship that we've really forgotten about. And that is the relationship with myself. We've forgotten to sustain and nurture that inner connection with the self. And so my attention was always focused out there. And I forgot about looking inside and connecting with myself within. And so I hope that during this period when it's not possible to travel, it's not possible to go here and there, in this space and time, have I looked at what's going on in my own inner world to be able to build up a relationship of valuing the self, having esteem for the self, respect for the self, 
and also maybe even loving the self. Because the good book says that love thy neighbor as you would love yourself. And we've forgotten about loving ourselves. So we've forgotten about how to love our neighbors. So there's always problems between neighbors nowadays. But the starting point, can I love myself? And that happens when I get to know what's going on in my own inner world. Otherwise, there's reactivity. Something happens and I react. And the cycle goes on. Action, reaction, action, reaction. But now, something happens. Can I take a pause just for a moment and see, is it useful for me to say this? Is it going to be helpful to say this? Is it going to make a difference to say this? And so just in that moment of pause, just to connect with my own inner peace and make a decision about what would be the right response. And so maybe it's time that we started looking inside instead of just looking outside. And that would, we would attain that by uh, meditation and being uh, silent and uh, uh, responsible for your speech and think twice before, before you speak? Definitely. When I realize that there are things that I can shift within my own behavior, and I want to be able to do that because I don't want my tongue to run away because once the arrow has left the bow, it can't come back. It's gone and it's gone forever. And if that arrow has hurt somebody's heart, how long is it going to take me to repair that wound? Maybe months, maybe never. Sometimes it's never. And so let me be very careful about firstly connecting with my own inner peace and the being that I am internally and then evaluating. And all this happens at high speed. It's not that I spend more time talking about it now than one would in real life. You say something, I say something. It's very fast back and forth. But now I hear something. And just for a moment, I come back to my inner state of peace. And I decide, no, it's not so useful. And I say, okay, let me be at peace. And this too shall pass. And it passes. And there's no repercussions. But if I'd reacted, then it would still be ongoing. I say something, the other says 10 things back to me, and it goes on and on. And there's a lot of hurt that's generated through all of that. But if my practice is, okay, pause for a moment, connect with the peace within. Because in my original state, in my natural state, I am a being of peace. And so the more I keep connecting with this, the more the peace will become natural and it'll flow out in my thinking and speaking and behaving. So Sister Jayanti, uh, could you guide all my viewers as to if they have these challenges inside in, in personal relations, in work, a couple of people I know have lost their jobs. These are very trying times, they're challenging times. And how does one come to terms with it? How does one uh, resolve uh, and come to terms with relationships and work issues from your point of view? 
um, you know, the starting point is something that we've actually forgotten about. We got work and relationships and activity all mixed up. But it's possible now, sitting quietly, to see what are the steps. And the first step is peace within myself. If I am peaceful, then the relationships that I have around me are being nurtured by this quality of inner peace. And so my relationships are likely to be more peaceful also. And if my relationships are peaceful, then things are going well, things can be in harmony, others can also enjoy peace, and we're going to be able to cooperate together and work together. And so whether it's the work at home, um, maybe I don't have any domestic help at the moment, but maybe if there's love and harmony and peace at home, everybody will chip in and say, mom, you've been doing the cooking, now let me do something else. Let me do the cleaning. Let me help with the dishes. And if there isn't that love and harmony, then expect the children to say, well, I don't have to bother. I'm just going to go back to my room and look at my iPad or something. Um, but if there's love and harmony, then it's not just that the, that the atmosphere is beautiful, but it's one of cooperation. And everybody chips in because we're all in it together. But also, if I've learned to keep relationships harmonious, not only is it important for my home life, but also think about my work life. If my relationships with my colleagues are ones in which there's respect and regard, value of their time, their skills, their energy, again, there'll be a quality of rapport in which we can have an exchange of ideas in which nobody feels unheard, nobody feels left out, but everybody's contribution is valued. And in that atmosphere, even if there's extra pressure of work, everybody will stay together and say, well, let's get it all done together. Otherwise, very easily they could say, well, you know, she's in charge, let her get on with it. And I want to switch off by the time it's 5 p.m., Instead of thinking, no, it's not just one person's responsibility, it's our responsibility. And so if I have had peace and regard for them, and I've included them in any discussions and heard them out, then they're more likely to cooperate with me. And we can work together. And probably the project that if I'd been left on my own would have taken me four hours doing it together. And in one hour, it's all done. And so harmony inside myself, coming to that state in which I'm balancing my feelings and my emotions with my logic and my reason so that I'm not struggling and battling inside myself. The things are cool, things are in harmony. Then that's going to be harmonious relationships at home, but also harmonious relationships with all those who I work with, whether I'm with them personally in the office or whether I'm working with them remotely. The quality of interaction is the important factor. And so what's going on inside is going to be expressed outside. And if there's a battle in here, of course, there'll be that rough edge in my tone of voice at home and at work. Uh, sister, thank you. Tell me something about forgiveness. 
if uh, there's a relationship where there's that much of love and the same amount of hurt. <laughs> so how does one handle the love quotient and the hurt quotient when, when it's identical and it's the same? Can, should we love the person or should we forgive the hurt? But if both of them are equal, then how does one come to terms with it? <laughs> if I value the relationship, then I want to sustain it. I want to nurture it. And if I'm not willing to forgive, then it's going to be poisoning that relationship continually. And so whatever I say, inside I might be feeling a lot of love, but equally there's pain. So my words are going to be like barbs. They're going to be hurting the other one. And so again, it keeps the door open for this negative interaction in which I say something, I have to hear 10 things, and then I say something back, and it carries on back and forth. So I think it takes a little bit of silent reflection on my part. Do I want to sustain this relationship? Is this relationship important for me? And if I decide yes, then I can't allow the hurt feeling to keep interfering in our connection with each other. I have to find a way to free myself from that hurt. And there are two things that are very important here. I need to be able to deal with the pain that I'm experiencing. And I know that if I have that connection with the source of love, the divine, I'm going to be able to allow that love to heal me. And so maybe that's the first step. Whilst I carry pain, I cannot forgive. But once I've allowed God's love to heal my pain, then the wound is now settled and things have become calm. And I realize that holding on to past stories is a prison for me. If I want to become free, I have to let go of the stories of the past. Um, you might have heard about Nelson Mandela saying that when he was about to be released and come out, he had to have a lot of deep thinking. What was the attitude that I come out with? And he decided for himself that it has to be with the spirit of forgiveness. Otherwise, he stated, if I had left carrying that bitterness with me, Although physically, I would be free, internally, I would never be free because I would still be holding on to those chains that used to bind me before. But when I decided to become free, I had to let go of bitterness and anger and open my heart and learn about forgiveness. And so when he came out, he came out with that spirit of forgiveness. And that, of course, changed the whole pattern of history. If he had come out with anger and aggression, you could never have had democracy in South Africa. But one man's decision and a big heart of forgiveness and things were very different. But and so- In personal relationships, it happens that you need to when the hurt is so much and you take a call, you forgive and forget the person, 
forgive that person and move on. So when does one decide to forgive and forget the person and move on or forgive and be in that relation? When you cannot heal, you're healed, but you cannot <laughs> live with that person. I'm talking about the present scenario where people are undergoing so many separations and divorces. So just, um, you know, um, uh, thing for my viewers to understand that, you know, when should you learn to heal yourself? When forgive by your heart and welcome the person into your life or forgive and forget that person? When is that call that comes in when you feel you cannot let be in the same house with the person or have any relationship left? I think it's a very, very individual situation, as you know, that no two situations are the same. But one factor would be, like I said earlier, do I value this relationship? Secondly, are there responsibilities that I have that I cannot fulfill without staying in this relationship? And by that, I mean my children. Are my children under 15 years of age? And I'm using that figure yes. in a sense arbitrarily, but at an age where they can understand what's going on. I know that one particular couple stayed together till not just the first son had gone to university, but then the second son also went to university. And at that point, then they told their sons, this is what's going to happen. We're going to stay friends, but we're going to be separate. And by that age, they were okay. And this story is many years ago. So today I'm imagining children grow up a lot earlier than age 17 or 18, but at whatever time. But if the children are younger than that, I think that there's a moral obligation that parents have to be able to live with dignity and respect for each other. Even if for whatever reason, love has gone out of the window but we have to keep each other's dignity and respect so that this is what we teach the next generation. And this is how the next generation will behave with others also. Because otherwise, there's an expression that says, hurt people hurt people. If I'm hurt, what am I going to do? I'm going to hurt others. And if I treat another with dignity, they're going to treat others with dignity too, because that's what they've received. And so that's what they'll give out. And so I think you have to have a very clear mind, free from emotions, to be able to come to that decision. Should I stay or can I leave? And once that decision has been made, knowing the pros and cons on both sides, um, finances come into the picture, my health comes into the picture, um, maybe my in-laws come into the picture, maybe my parents come into the picture. So whatever it is that's important for me, I need to go through that whole checklist very, very calmly. So it's not a rash decision made in a moment of heat. No, very calm, very cool in the awareness of the inner being and the being of peace that I am in the presence of the creator, I decide what I need to do. Having made that decision, if I'm going to stay, then I know I have to have a very, very big heart and not just forgive, but also know that 
Maybe the same mistakes will continue in the future. Do I have the stamina? Do I have the courage and the faith to abide by my decision? So that it's not that today I decide and then tomorrow the same thing happens and I say, well, I didn't realize it was going to happen again. Well, it's highly likely that it would happen again. Even if I've forgiven and said past is past, there's a high likelihood that it will repeat. Why? Human nature is stronger than human will very often. My will says no, but my nature takes me off in a different track. And so I must know that. And on the other side, if I decide to leave, I need to have a lot of inner spiritual capacity and resilience and power to be able to deal with all the challenges that are going to come my way because there's going to be any number of challenges. But if I value my freedom more than I value whatever those other challenges are, then I'll stick to my course and keep moving forward very clearly, knowing that this is what I have chosen. And there's no point in asking anyone else for advice in this matter. Why? Because if they say, yes, you should leave, and things go wrong, and I'm really struggling to make ends meet or really struggling to keep my children on track, then I'll cry and say, well, so-and-so told me so. And if they tell me stay, and again, things don't work out, the easiest thing in human life is to blame somebody else. This is why, no, don't blame, don't complain, take responsibility for my actions and for my feelings. I'm very calm, very cool, make a decision. So I think that the whole subject of getting to know myself is maybe one of the most important subjects. Um, how often have we heard the expression, self-realization is the first step to coming to the state of being God-realized. If I'm not self-realized, I cannot self-actualize all the hopes and wishes and dreams that I have, I cannot actualize them. I cannot make them manifest in my life unless I realize who I am and what my own inner capacity truly is. Sisters, please tell me about consciousness, what you say about consciousness. Um, there can be many different levels of consciousness, obviously, but today I'd like us to look at two in particular. One is where it's limited consciousness. And by that, I mean the color of my skin, the gender of my body, the age of my body, the nationality, the religion I was born into. All these become the box that define me. Or maybe on a more subtle level, the job that I hold, the relationship that I have, the position that I occupy, the possessions that I have, my house, my car, my clothes, my jewelry, all of these define me. And all of these are a very, very narrow perception through which to look out at life. And as distinct to that limited box consciousness, I put myself in those boxes and I define other people by putting them in those boxes too. And it's a total illusion. It has very little to do with the reality of the inner being. 
And so the unlimited consciousness in which I know that how much can you know me by my clothes or my face or my hair or my age? You'll know this much about me. But if I'm in a state of knowing my own inner being, then I won't judge another through those external things. I'll connect with the other being, with the soul. And in that connection, there's a very, very different experience. I'm sure that when you were in Abu uh, a couple of years ago and you had a chance to meet some of our senior yogis, you would have seen that really they, they don't notice anything about this external box. They just see you, the inner being, and that eye-to-eye -eye contact and that soul-to-soul -soul contact makes a world of difference. So to keep that consciousness of who I truly am and see others with that consciousness of who they truly are is really a very different experience to putting myself in a limited consciousness of the box and seeing others in that box. So those two major differences define the way in which we think, we speak, we do things, and it defines our very life and reality and existence. My sister, please tell me about subconsciousness. What is your subconscious and the line, fine line between consciousness and subconsciousness? And how can um, we accelerate each one of them? There's a conscious mind in which there are thoughts and feelings then just below the surface, there's the subconscious, which means, for example, my perceptions, my attitude, I would put those into the category of subconscious. And then there's the unconscious, which are my personality traits. And um, a very good description of these would be, they're like an iceberg. You see one tenth above the surface, and nine tenths is below the surface. And so you see a little bit manifest, but most of it is hidden. And you only get to know them when you've been with them over the space of maybe five years longer. But certainly it's not a question of knowing them in months. Never mind knowing anyone else. Do I know what lies in my unconscious? What is it? that's actually guiding my behavior. Um, conscious and um, subconscious, we get to know after a certain period of time about ourselves and about others, but the unconscious, the personality traits that actually motivate me in my life, I might go through the whole of my life and not explore all of this. And I wouldn't know the unconscious um, factors that guide another person's decisions and behavior, again, through the whole of my life, perhaps. But when I begin this journey of going inside, getting to know myself, then I begin to see that, well, the same applies to everybody else. And so even though they're saying things which are hurtful, maybe they don't even realize it. Maybe they're doing it unconsciously, unknowingly. And so is it possible for me to forgive them? Because I know that they're not aware. 
And so just as, you know, a child would do something and you'd say, well, the child was not aware of this. And so you wouldn't think about punishing a child. You'd say, no, the child was unaware and I'm an instrument to have to teach that child more so that then the child is more aware. And so here's another person, they're adult, but yet they're unaware. And so I can't punish them and say, I'm not going to forgive them because they did this, this, and this. So it's a whole journey, a journey of getting to know myself, a journey of getting to know others and learning how to emerge the best within myself and how to create an atmosphere in which the best within those who are close to me can also move forward and develop further. Uh, during meditation, sister, um, does your consciousness and subconsciousness also awaken together or is it one of them that is on the higher level? <laughs> um, there's a gradual awakening of all faculties of the inner world. And there's um, another aspect that we haven't touched on, and that is my conscience. And so there are thoughts and feelings and the attitudes and perceptions and then the personality traits. But on another level, there's my conscience. And also there's my belief system. And so what are the beliefs that I'm holding on to? Are they valid? Are they not valid? Can I prove them to myself? I don't want to prove them to anyone else. But if there's a belief that I have, can I test it and see, is it real? Or is it actually just an illusion that I'm holding on to? So as I study spiritual teachings more and more, I begin to understand that receptacle in which I can hold knowledge and practice those ideas so that it becomes wisdom in my life. And there's that aspect of conscience in which my conscience is telling me something, but I'm ignoring it. And it gets to the point where having ignored my conscience once, twice, three times maybe, my conscience stops speaking to me. You know, it's like having a good friend the good friend will want to help you, save you, protect you from yourself even. And they'll give you a signal. They'll tell you, you know, maybe this isn't the right way to do things. They'll try it once. They'll try it twice. But then they'll say, well, this person's not ready to listen yet. So it would be better that I keep my own counsel, that I shouldn't be saying anything. And so I become quiet and silent. So that's what's happened to our conscience very often. When we've ignored the call of conscience, it's a very soft voice, and I ignore it once, twice, and it shuts down. It doesn't speak to me. So on and that so, note, yes. would you take us through a guided <laughs> meditation, please? Surely. For my viewers and yeah. for myself. Mm -hmm. So can we start our guided meditation with you? Can I close my eyes? Surely. Okay, thank you, sir. I'll speak out my own thoughts as I meditate and invite you to follow those ideas. Going within, coming to the awareness of the inner being. I connect with peace. 
peace feels natural, comfortable. This is who I am. I am a being of peace. And in this awareness, I can feel the presence of the creator, the supreme, the being of light. And from the source of light, the light of purity, the light of peace, the light of truth touches the soul. And those same qualities that were dormant awaken. And those qualities emerge. And I find myself filled with that peace, that truth. I hold on to this experience. And I can feel that these qualities are not just reaching me, but they're spreading out into the atmosphere. Peace surrounds us in this room. Peace extends out to my human family. so that they become peaceful. Holding on to this awareness of peace and truth. My thoughts return to the physical dimension But now I bring with myself this peace and truth. Om Shanti. Thank you. I was in Mount Abu and um, I did my early morning 6 a.m. meditation. And uh, I actually saw my soul step out and she was a little melancholy so I hugged her and gave her solace and went came back into my body so I literally saw my soul out and after that uh, tears just started falling down my eyes realizing that I could see my soul and I could step out hug her and come back that is the power of meditation I think that was one of the best New Year's Eve 
one could have celebrated in Mount Abu meeting Dadi Janki on her 100th birthday. And that was one of the best. And I have been recommending going to my friends to Mount Abu. In fact, in Bangalore, Mumbai, in every state in India, um, there is also Brahma Kumari's chapters which are opened. So I've been recommending that to all my friends. And uh, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on this show. And it's been really, not really enough. I'm not very satisfied, but I could have done a lot more maybe coming forward. Let us try and do some meditation for my viewers. And this is a time when they need it. So I request you to please come once more on our talk show and bless us with this beautiful meditation process that I, this beautiful journey that we just went through. A final message to my viewers, sister, considering the chaos in the world. I would say that just go inside and find that center of peace that lies within and do this again and again so that your own inner state of peace becomes stronger and stronger and it's able to radiate out to others around around you so that they also are protected from that chaos that's outside. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and I look forward to our next meeting. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Om Shanti. Om Shanti.